Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 35. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. We're a couple getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our past. What does it all mean? What does it mean? It means <laughs> that each time one of us gets to choose something that the other person has never seen, oh. hopefully these are meaningful in some way, formative. They've, mm. they've made us who we are as human beings on this planet, or else we just haven't shown them to each other yet. Yeah. Um, so enforced viewing ensues, and then we unpack it all here for you on our podcast. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, and thank you, <laughs> listeners of uh, the uh, Baghdad Cafe episode. Yes. Which is like one of our most popular episodes. How are you finding it? I don't know. I love Baghdad Cafe and I'm glad you do too. So yeah, we've had an interesting spike of uh, Baghdad Cafe downloads in the past. From uh, Sweden? No, I just made that part up. Well, actually... Turkey? Some No, there's... Um, where? It's the, <clears throat> the, the Netherlands. Oh. From Amsterdam. Yeah, that's there's right. There's a cafe there, maybe? Or maybe it was Sweden. I can't remember when. Maybe it's Nicole. No. <laughs> <laughs> My <Perhaps>. Dutch friend. <laughs> um so here we are with a show for you and this time it was ashley's pick yes it was she did not pick a western what did you pick instead for us um my man godfrey uh from 1936 directed by gregory lacava lacava um who directed lots of actually screwball comedies it's a screwball comedy um from the you know post uh during the depression People wanted escapist comedies about silly rich people, and uh, they were, I think, some of the best movies ever made. I love a screwball comedy. Um, it's just great to... Preston Sturges, yeah. Frank Capra, Howard Hawks, mm-hmm. George Cukor, yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. Lubitsch. Lubitsch, yeah. They're not all about rich people, but a good number of them. A goodly number of them are about the silly rich people. Yes. And so I'm so excited. Often getting their comeuppance in one way or another. It's true, yes. They're losing their money usually or their... So tell us about our glorious cast because we have It's a Screwball Comedy, but it's a screwball comedy with who? William Powell. Ah! The Thin Man. The Thin Man. He's not the thin man. Who's actually, if you he's, yeah. he's Nick Charles. That's true. <laughs> from Let's the not thin have man. the debate about why yes. the, thing man, the thin man is called the thin man. Um, and Carol Lombard, um, who I can't, what else was she in? Nothing I sacred. Okay. To be or not to be. To be or to, not to be, which is the other. Um, the Hitchcock screwball comedy. Have you, have you ever seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith? I've never seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith, oddly. And made for each other. Okay. A little movie she did with Jimmy Stewart, which isn't a screwball comedy. It's yeah. actually a kind of, or is it? <laughs> I always get it mixed up with Penny Serenade with uh, Cary Grant because I saw it with Cary Grant, Irene Dunn because I saw it around the same time. Anyway, yes. Well, and she has something about she's <clears throat> she's similar to Irene Dunn, and so like I think they get confused a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least in my mind, do they're the platinum blondes, the funny platinum blondes? But I did, and Jean Arthur's another uh, one of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I chose this movie because I think this may have been the first screwball comedy that I ever saw. Oh, now I have oh to... no no no! I take that back. I did see um, Carl Lombard's husband, uh, Clark, Clark Gable. Gable. And it happened one night. My dad showed th- me and happened one night and bringing up baby would be the other one that with uh, Cary Grant, Cary Grant and uh, Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn. I think it happened one night might have been my first screwball mm-hmm. comedy. Yeah. I think I showed it to myself. 
But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize when my dad showed me those that that was a whole genre of things yeah. that you could see. So I don't know. It was either the Paramount Summer Movie Classic Series that we had here in Austin, or it may have been an Austin Film Society series that they did on the screwball comedy. But I saw a both in this town, probably both. Yeah, I had them. I saw one summer. I saw a bunch of them at the same time. But I love this one. This is the one that I um, that I really connected with. I just thought it was hilarious. Um, it's you know, it's one of my favorite movies. Like top five kind oh, of kind of. I had no movies. idea this yeah. was top five. Yeah. So <laughs> can you give us a little um, uh, thumbnail? What's the premise, sort of thing? Uh, so we have who's uh, Godfrey? A rich family. Um, of uh, Mr. Bullock, his wife, Mrs. Bullock, and they have two daughters, uh, Cornelia and Irene. Irene are the, that's another reason why you confuse her with Irene Dunn. Her name is Irene. Um, so Cornelia is the statuesque, little bit haughty, older daughter, and uh, Irene is the younger, um, flighty, silly. And you're not saying that she's a hottie. You're saying she's haughty. Haughty. Yes. 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 She's more than a little haughty. Like A-U-G-H-T. Right. Yes. (laughs) Our podcast requires spelling on occasion. That's right. Um, I was able to pull that out pretty well. Uh, So the Bullocks are out at a society fundraiser that involves a scavenger hunt. And, you know, as Irene says, you know, a scavenger hunt is like a treasure hunt. Except in a scavenger hunt, you're looking for something. In a treasure hunt, you're looking for something that everybody wants. In a scavenger hunt, you're looking for something that nobody wants. Of course, she says that to William Powell. To William Powell. And so he is one of the things on their scavenger hunt. They are looking for a forgotten man. And during the Depression, there was um, a lot of homeless people in want of a job um, due to the collapse of the economy. So they lived in these sort of, um, they called them, what Hoover Hoovervilles or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but anyway, these camps, like in on the edges of cities, this one is in a dump. This one's in the dump yeah. well, next to the bridge. Um, so she comes, she knows that there's a Hooverville down there. So he goes down to, or she goes down to, she brings her sister and they try to recruit William Powell to come back to the Waldorf Astoria, I believe, and prove that he's a forgotten man so that they can win the thing. Well, he first person to approach him is Cornelia and he like essentially insults her. Um, well, she's very awful. She's kind of awful. And patronizing and terrible. <laughs> so he pretty much turns her down and they say he pushed her into an ash pile, but he didn't really, he just corn- kind of approached her in a way that made her back up into she an backed ash pile up and fell herself and dropped herself into an ash pile. Yeah. And then Irene comes along and, um, you know, at this point, he doesn't like Cornelia very much. And she was like, if you come with me, I'll win and she won't. And so that's how they end up meeting. Um, and she's just charming and silly enough and, yeah. <laughs> and gracious enough in her silly way to to kind of charm him into doing well, it. And, she doesn't, and to get the best of the terrible sister, Cornelia. She doesn't offer to pay him a, a very small amount compared to the amount of money that, that she has at her disposal. She just asks a favor. Um she likes him so much, though. Yeah, that she she asks them to be their butler. <laughs> so she wants to have a protege, just yes. like her mother does. Her mother ha- is the protege of Carlo. 
Or Carlo is the yes. protege of her mother. Yes. Carlo. So um, he becomes their butler, um, and hijinks ensue. Um, you know, Cordelia doesn't like him, obviously, so she is trying her hardest to get rid of him. Irene falls in love with him and is trying to get him to fall in love with her. And, and throughout this, Godfrey is... Um, you know, as professional as he can be, he has this, the performance is excellent. He just, he does this like dry, um, put out sort of butler thing that is just raised really, eyebrow. Yeah. <laughs> tolerant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> patient. Yes. With cutting remarks that only we seem to hear. Yeah. <laughs> he's the straight man. Yes, he is. Oddly, because he's, he doesn't usually play that role. In, in a lot of... Well, at least not in The Thin Man. I think he's too drunk in The Thin Man. Yeah, or, exactly. I mean, he's not necessarily <laughs> drunk, but they're always a little tipsy. Well, it's the same sort of character, though, that he's smarter <clears throat> than everyone else mm-hmm. in the room. I mean, except in The Thin Man, his wife. And but. this family is truly one of the baddiest, <laughs> oddball, silly, rich families of them all mm-hmm. from these movies. And you know these movies, they always have families like this. But actually, the other one I'm thinking of is not a rich family, but... That crazy, you can't take it with you, family. You yeah. were in the play version. They're not mm. rich at all, so forget that part of it. But it's that one. It's one of those ones where everybody's kind of got their own, yeah, bizarre characteristic. Well, and I mean, to an extent, Philadelphia Astoria has that. Everybody, oh yeah, yeah, everybody has their oh. own, like the crazy uncle, the crazy uncle who's and, chasing skirts all the time. Yeah, and, and the the younger sister that's you know uh, bringing a baby has some odd mm, exactly society people too, and and a bumbling uh, our uh, paleontologist as well. So yes, <laughs> um, I, I like to talk about all of all of the screwball comedies. They all kind of get wrapped up together, but. Um, so, you know, it's it's really just the hijinks of this family that sort of drives the plot of of the film, you know. Um, and really, it is sort of a plot on which to hang all the silly hijinks you know, that happen. It strikes me that it's a little bit down and out in Beverly Hills, too, where you have the outsider come in and, and, and overturn the I don't the, think I've ever family. seen that. No, you've never seen that. I don't think so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we should probably watch that at some point is that the one with natasha leone no, no it's um richard dreyfus and bat midler okay and nick nolte plays a bum that they pick up okay. and um they're rich beverly hill types and he completely upsets their crazy mm-hmm. world yeah <laughs> so yeah godfrey ends up saving the family from financial ruin through his own ingenuity and, um, and you're forgetting the element of um, this uh, just insane, overpowering uh, crush that Carol Lombard, uh, yeah, Irene, that. has on him <laughs> that drives much of, well, all of her behavior. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how Cornelia, the wicked sister, whatever yeah. you want to call her, is trying to, uh, you know, get him kicked out the whole yeah. time. And so, trying to overturn I want to talk, so when, I mean, like, the big reveal at the end of the movie is that the 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 father, Mr. Bullock, mm-hmm. is broke through his own sort of mishandling of funds. He's yeah. spent all the family money, invested in the market, and lost it, and then <clears throat> took some investor money and invested it in the market. So he's, he's concerned 
that he's going to jail. And this is when Godfrey steps in and says, I've taken, you know, I saw that you were in trouble. I bought, Mm -hmm. I was able to, um, don't go into details. Yeah, I won't like, go into details. I was able we to... We need to talk short sales. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was able to buy back your stock, and I've signed it over to you. So essentially, he saved the family. Um, and then, you know, he announces that he's leaving for his own endeavors that he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when he has a conversation with Cordelia, Cornelia about... Um, how he, similar to her, was a spoiled child. I don't think we mentioned the fact that Godfrey actually is from a rich family in Boston, and That's he right. ran away after an unfortunate re- re- love affair and mm-hmm. had been living homeless for eight years or something like that. He chose like to that. walk away from everything. Yeah. Um, because be a of forgotten a forgotten man. <laughs> um, but he, he talks about... Um, he tells Cornelia that like he recognizes in her something of himself and that he knows from experience that she can be a better person and mm-hmm. use her. You know, he uses a high spirited young lady, but I mean, like, I think he meant like her intelligence and her spark that she has to do something yeah. more useful than with she her life. She can use these powers for something other than being yeah. mean spirited and small minded and, you know. So in my own fan fiction, to me, like William Powell and Cornelia are a better match <laughs> okay. than than this <laughs> is good. Yes. <laughs> because when I was rewatching it um just now, looking at the last yeah. part of it again, I was thinking to myself, Cornelia is a much more interesting character mm-hmm. than Irene. The Carol Lombard thing, and and I actually feel like the relationship playing out and the machinations of Cornelia and and what's happening with her and Godfrey and how that changes is more of a story, yeah, than this odd delusional crush that Irene has yeah. the whole time. Like I wouldn't have, I don't think this is a romantic comedy. No, and not yet really. they have. They've cast Carol Lombard. They give her leading lady billing because it's Carol Lombard. Mm. And the poster has Carol Lombard and William Powell, stare, you know, staring into each other's eyes yeah. or whatever. But that wasn't the movie that they made. Yeah. You know, there is no great love affair at the heart of this. And the... the I totally agree. Cornelia yeah. is a much more interesting <laughs> character. Now, I don't... I'm not hugely attached to Gail Patrick, the actress. I think she's fine. I think she's good in the Mm. role. Um, I understand. I mean, she's maybe doesn't have quite the same. I mean, Carol Lombard has a like (laughs) joyous vivaciousness Mm. and she's a delight to watch and she's a great comic actress. But to me, that's a one note performance. And I'm sorry if, if there are people out there who really love Carol Lombard, but I actually thought it was one of the weaker things about the movie. Yeah. The fact well, that that romance was supposed to be there. And the fact, and that it ends up with her coming with the mayor and she's going to marry him at the yeah. very, and it fades out. Where did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I just, so, there's never, he never once during the whole, like the whole thing where he, he's trying to get the better of her because she's pretended to faint. Yeah. And so he throws her in the shower and gets frustrated with her. And that seems that to her is the evidence that he has some sort of feelings for her. She was going to read into anything. Yeah, it's true. 
the fact that he came home with her and became her protege was evidence of something. To yeah, her. to her. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, don't I think that. the way it was written, it wasn't a very strong part for her. I think they should have given her a little more of wit. I mean, like they they played up on her ability to sort of play on emotions, but like they didn't. I was really yeah. curious. To, I wanted to learn more about the origin of... The, I, at first, I was wondering, had this been adapted from a stage play? It was a book. And it was a short story or a no, short, short novel or short something novel, like that? Yeah. I think a short... A novella is... Yeah, I think. it's like 1101 Park or something like that. The other thing I wanted to know is... Did they... Did they um, develop... Did they add more Carol Lombard? Add more mm. Irene? Mm-hmm. Including that weird patched on ending to me yeah where she shows up and they're suddenly in love and gonna get married that seemed like well we cast carol lombard and she's the female lead so we need to write that in it didn't feel organic to me well i mean it just showed how much he hadn't told her like she went there with she went to to be with him which i guess is supposed to show that she loved him truly because she is willing to live on an ash pile with him you know because she took like a basket of food and and a basket of firewood. Yeah, that's very like, sweet. I have to so say that was cute. So she thought she was going to. She was ready to leave everything for yeah, him. Right? Yeah, right? essentially. Yeah. So I mean, I think that that's. But I never. I don't. I didn't read any um, that it was requited in any way. No. Like I really liked the scene where he said where they're doing dishes together. Yeah. Isn't that a lovely scene? It is where a lovely scene where he's where they're talking <laughs> towards the end. He's washing the dishes and she's drawing, and. And she's like, well, we're going to get married and all this. And don't, don't you know, you know, and he's saying, well, you know that we're friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what you and I have. And we have a very good, strong friendship. And I felt like that's actually how he felt. Yeah. But the way it then proceeds and the way it ends, then because this is the film they gave us and the story they mm. told, then you have to go, well, I guess he did actually feel that the whole time. And we're supposed to just think he's, you know, the non-expressive yeah. <laughs> or she wore him down or something. I don't know. I was, well, that's the only I mean, thing like... that doesn't, that struck a wrong note for yeah. me was the, the romance. Yeah. I didn't get it. I love the movie. Yeah. But I was disappointed by the fade out at the end. Well, I just, <laughs> you know, I, I guess it's like the, you know, like heart over mind kind of thing if the choices. But like to me, I think the more interesting is because he matched Cornelia like wit for wit, you know, like she had stuff on him and he had stuff on her and she tried to... It was like to, a chess game, yeah, wasn't Yeah, she it? tried to frame him for stealing. And but he was one step ahead. He, yeah, and, you know, and then he... He ended up using the necklace to bail the family out. Yeah. So, I mean, and he... Which shows that he was fond of everyone in the family in spite of, you know, how badly she treated him you know i think i don't know to me that's a more interesting relationship that was really moving when he gave when Mm -hmm. he told her what yeah like the thing you were saying about how she could how he learned humility Mm. and i forget what else yeah but that that moment where he's patience i think this is the other thing yeah yeah (laughs) so but the movie the the film itself is structured around these set piece sort of things mm. like that tea party 
Yeah, the big tea party. Big tea party, and th- and there's that whole episode in the drawing room where Irene completely falls apart early on when yeah. they say we have to get rid of him. <laughs> we don't know anything about him. He's got to go. You found him on the ash pile, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we usually get our our help from you know the employment service, and she goes into that like crying fit yeah. forever and ever. And then as soon as everyone leaves the room, she's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm I'm not fine. actually fine. I'm fine actually. Well, and that that like shows how crazy the family is <clears throat> because. Um, I think that Mr. Bullock's brought everyone in to talk to them about their crazy behavior. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, all of this is like Irene has a breakdown. Uh, Cornelia like tries and then um, her mother gets her protege to act like a gorilla. So like all this crazy stuff is happening. She's having a breakdown and the protege who's a a musician is hopping around like a gorilla, you know. So at that point, I think Mr. Bullock takes like all the martinis that Godfrey brought, like a whole pitcher of them into his study and asks him to re- repeat the repeat the order in an hour. <laughs> so the verbal repartee is so good. There's mm-hmm. so many crackerjack lines of dialogue, both intentional, yeah. like the wit of of um, Godfrey or even Mr. Bullock is mm-hmm. pretty, yeah, pretty is. cutting and witty it. too. But then the inadvertent, all the insane things that Mrs. Bullock says. Yeah. She's a brilliant comic character. She's one of my favorite characters yeah, in the movie. Yeah, she's so good. She's played by <laughs> Alice Brady. She's a complete wacko. Yeah. <laughs> and and my other favorite character, Carlo, mm-hmm. her protege. Is he supposed to be a musician or a piano teacher? Or I think he's a musician. They say he's working on a composition to do like a... Oh, he's, he's, he's composing he's a, pianist. a He's yeah. composing a work. Right? Yeah, but he's like, I would say Czechoslovakian, considering that he keeps singing Ochechonia. <laughs> he's, he's, he sings Ochechonia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is, uh, he's played by Misha Auer, and I know I've seen him in other similar roles yeah. in that time. God help me, he's so funny. Yeah. Did you know that he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor? I think I saw that, yeah. This this was, I think they said this was one of the first movies that was nominated for all four acting awards. Okay, wow. But that wasn't nominated for Best Director or, mm-hmm. best, or best Picture. But anyway, um, William Powell, Carol Lombard, Alice Brady, who played Mrs. Bullock, and Carlo. <laughs> I'm so happy that Carlo got, he is nuts. So and he's so emo, right? Yeah. Like you can't talk about that. This that's my favorite line is you're upsetting. Stop upsetting <laughs> Carlo. Carlo. Stop upsetting well, Carlo. I love he stands in the background, like he looks leaning draped, on things, draped and leaning like something out of oh, Caligari. Oh, money, 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 money. <laughs> Stop upsetting Carlo. <laughs> There's another time where they're confusing Carlo. Yeah. You're confusing Carlo. Stop confusing Carlo. <laughs> Well, one of my favorite lines is when um, when they call the police to look for Cornelia's necklace that's yeah. gone missing. Yeah. Um, the uh, police, they're like, who is this Carlo dude? Is this your son? And and Mr. Bullock's like, oh, you know, I'll ha- hang me before you before I'll plead guilty to that crime or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Which is hilarious because just a few minutes later, the maid Molly comes in and who's equally sort of like wry and sarcastic about and um, uh, they start to question her as if she might be guilty of stealing the necklace. And he calls her sister and she was she was like, uh, you know, 
<laughs> I'd hang myself if that were true or something, something, you know, equally dark. And I, I thought it was fun. It's nice mirroring yeah. of the same, like, I'm not, I'm not related to these people sort of, sort of jokes. Um, he's already related to plenty of weirdness. So, <laughs> so I read that they remade this movie with David Niven. Have you really? seen this no, no, no. in the fifties? Can you no. imagine anybody? It's it's William Powell. I can't even. I don't. I don't know. I'm slightly curious now, but I can't imagine that. That's really weird. I really, I think it would be fun to read the screenplay because mm. the dialogue is just so. It's great. Every single line. It's interesting. So I was reading up on the the screenwriter is Maury Riskind, who also um, another Gregory Lakava film. Um, uh, stage door stage door i've never seen it he wrote the screenplay for that or he's credited on it mm-hmm. um but also in his thing is his girl friday but if you look at the his girl friday thing he isn't credited officially as but he must have done some sort of script punch up or something like that on the his girl friday thing because he's i don't know where they get that. that because his girl friday is famously from the front page yeah exactly by ben hecton or whatever. Well, but Charles, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's like word for word or anything yeah. like that. They, you know, they did a punch up of it. So, um, but what was interesting in reading about the screenwriter is that, you know, he wrote all these sort of, he wrote like a bunch of the Marx Brothers movies, oh, I didn't like know Animal that. Crackers and A Night at the Opera well, that, and The Coconuts. Write, you had to write all that Groucho dialogue. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> um, um, but then, um, like his like in 1947 or 1945 like his screenwriting just stops and so i was like what is going on why did it because he lived until look into that he so he appeared he appeared before the house an american activities committee like testified against people in hollywood he never sold another screenplay after that um, it worked both ways. Apparently, because I thought it worked the other way well, around, where you were denounced and then you were blacklisted, and no one. Apparently, with you. people who were not blacklisted, who were still in power, um, who were upset at the people who testified, who yeah, essentially, you know, essentially, he was not able to sell another screenplay. He wasn't ever able to prove that that was the reason. But after he did, he appeared there. So then he he like gave some money in order to help found the national review. He became this like conservative. Really? Yeah. The screenwriter of all of these wonderful screwball comedies. (laughs) And then he became uh, a a very conservative uh, like person in the, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. Humorless? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't know. I've I've never read their national. I hope a very witty one maybe at least. I don't know. So, I mean, it's interesting that, that what came out of that sort of like you know, that, that time period in Hollywood and, and like how, I mean, like, I think that that time period sort of gave rise to the conservatism that came yeah. out of California that eventually, um, we ended up with Reagan. So, you know, <laughs> I didn't know until I did some background that, um, William Powell had been married to Carol Lombard briefly. Yeah. Briefly for and they divorced a about years. three years before the movie was mm-hmm. shot. And he was the one who, um, who said he would do it if she would, 
if, yeah. if they would cast her as well, they, Irene. They apparently were really good friends and yeah, like well, they would was, hang out. And, you know, he was devastated, you know, when she died, you know, pretty young. 42 is what I mean. She was not 42. How did she die? Do you remember? It was a plane crash. Oh, we okay. That came up. Yeah, she day. was flying um, in support of the war bonds. So she had gone to do some was sort she of with Clark Gable. Yeah, she was married to him at okay, the time. At that time. She, yeah, he was widowed when she when yeah. she died. Um, but I thought it was a private plane, but it wasn't. It was a Pan Am. Flight. It was a commercial flight. It was a commercial oh, I didn't flight. Know that. I yeah. didn't know anything about yeah. that. I should read some of these old Hollywood stories. Yeah. So um, you know, I think Clark Gable stopped acting for a while after that happened. Yeah. You know, for a few years. So did you look into Gregory Lacava's credits? Because other than Stage Door, I hadn't. It didn't really seem like he had done a whole lot. No. No. And I. I've heard his name before, but I'm certainly not familiar with his films. Yeah, I th- and I haven't seen Stage Door. There weren't Door. too many that I recognized other than Stage Door. He um, started in the business as an animator, apparently. Yeah. I'm not sure at what point he sidestepped over to directing, but he was very interested in, you know, he he had an animation career. And then yeah. when well, that... Well, he worked for the Hearst Papers and then... Yeah. He started working. That's right. He was. Yeah. They first wanted him to adapt the the cartoons, like mm. the comic strip cartoons, into a sort of an animated. So thing. then he started directing at like Paramount East Coast or something like that, mm, and I then know. I guess made the conversion over to. Um, I didn't read it in detail, but um, um, all this interesting, like, oh, it's interesting how Hollywood is such a small, yeah, town really. You know, when it comes to like who's making movies and who knows who and who's related to what. And, you know, we just saw Once a Time in Hollywood this weekend. And mm-hmm. that um, that certainly gets into the how like everything is interconnected and everybody knows everybody. And, you know, I, by the way, highly recommend Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, <laughs> it was if very If you haven't good. seen that yet, you should go see that. So I'm just... I'm kind of on the, I'm kind of not sure what to think about Carol Lombard in this. Mm -hmm. I think, I, I think I'm coming away with, I really like her as an actress. And I think, like I said, I think she's delightful on screen. She's vivacious and silly and like really fun to watch. Yeah. And she also has great dialogue, but the character that she plays is so childlike and delusional um Mm. like most that i mean it really feels until you get to the last scene where i guess it's i guess he's into her too because he's gonna marry her which yeah but until you get to that point it seems like the whole relationship is in her head i mean like she just has (laughs) that she just decided she's interested that she has to have him that motivates everything about her character it's it it's not a fully formed character yeah I mean, I know we're looking at a comedy and and so it doesn't diminish the movie for me at all. I just I was <laughs> I don't know. I was surprised that there wasn't more to her than that. Yeah, I you know, and so. I mean, this brings me to another thing, yeah. which is like her sort of constant high pitched wailing that yes. she does, which she does through a good portion of the movie. It does kind of give it sort of a sameness in certain parts. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, if one were sleepy, for example, one might tune out because it's just another scene where, yes, you know, where 
I see that you're edging toward yes. the, ta- the tale of uh, getting Dave to watch this movie. So um, I've been trying to get Dave to watch this movie since maybe like the first month of our relationship back in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, whether... It's my Achilles heel. You know, we just were never able to get through it for various reasons. And I've tried maybe three separate occasions to get you to watch it all the way through and... You married a very tired man. <laughs> you know, we got distracted or he fell asleep. And and like, <clears throat> it just kind of makes me wonder, like, when when a movie, like, when you're showing one of your favorite films that nobody, and, and like, repeatedly they are unable to finish it, it, I don't know, it's, <laughs> but <laughs> you like. You might want to take it yeah, personally, ooh, but Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, when is the right time in a relationship to introduce films that are meaningful i mean three years in three th- years. three years apparently is the for, right time for my man godfrey <laughs> um yeah well i mean we had a similar problem with the thin man i mean like the thin okay. man is long and i always fall asleep <laughs> yeah i know thin, thin man. so it's either a william powell thing, thing. <laughs> I was thinking maybe it's a Carol Lombard thing because I don't think I've ever made it through Nothing Sacred either because mm, I think okay. I also used to watch that, like try and watch it on Turner Classics at, you know, 1030 at night and I'd watch a half hour and then I was out. Well, you know, the thing about these screwball comedies for me is that they're just so comforting. I mean, they really are really good at what they're supposed to be, which they're completely escapist. So if you're ever feeling bad and you just want to put on something light and fun to watch... You know, they are extremely comforting and they do, you know, can induce that that sort of. Well, but see, the ideal is when you know a movie as well as you know My Man Godfrey, right? Or as well as I know His Girl Friday or one of the other ones, My Favorite Wife or something, or um, The Awful Truth. Mm Mm-hmm then it doesn't matter if you get sleepy. It's true. Like we you put just put on it th- on. <laughs> we put on the thin man sometimes when we know we're sleepy yeah. and we just want a half hour of comfort. Yeah. You know? Well, so, sometimes I just put on the Philadelphia story so, just to watch uh, um, James Stewart's uh, speech to uh, your lit with so from good. within Tracy. So you good. know, I just sometimes I just want to watch that scene, you know, that so. is Yar. Yes. <laughs> my isn't she Yar. My isn't <laughs> she, she was Yar. yar or, or my she was Yar or something like that. Dost yeah. thou have a washroom? <laughs> <laughs> when he's making fun of the uh, Amish types. But I mean, like, I, I agree that. But. But yeah, I I guess I just didn't choose a very good time to introduce it, you know. You know, um, early in the relationship, I was excited for you to see one of my favorite films, you know, and and we just didn't finish it, you know. And then later, I thought, oh, well, well we can see it, and it didn't happen the second time. And then I, then I was kind of so like <laughs> the general rule for me is I can't watch an old movie or a foreign film. At nine o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> and make it for more than 45 minutes. Probably. Yeah. Unless, unless I chose it and I'm excited about yeah. it and I'm totally <laughs> alert and, and awake, but on, I'm sorry. Like I said, <laughs> you married a sleepy man. 
<laughs> and uh, I told you when you put it on the other day. Yeah. <laughs> like I had woken up at 4.30 or 5 and I couldn't yeah. get back to sleep and you were able to get back to sleep till mm. 7. You had you were two hours <laughs> up on, on sleep for me. I was like, I don't think I can do it. And then we watched it anyway. And I didn't actually close my eyes or fall yeah. asleep. But the people up there mm-hmm. went on strike. <laughs> like it was one of those things where you're yeah. watching the film and you're kind of aware of it on some level. Yeah. But it's just kind of washing right through yeah. you. <laughs> well, it's I couldn't I didn't it, none of it went into my long term. It's an memory. interesting thing to me because like if even if I'm tired, if I get sucked into a narrative, I can stay awake and attentive in order to finish I it. I cannot. And like, so it's weird to me, like you have this thing that, that where like you'll watch 45 minutes of a film and then get up the next morning and finish the rest of it. And to me that sometimes feels a little disjointed, you know, um, you know, we do it sometimes, you know, just because you can't help oh, it. But you I know. always do that. Yeah. And I've done that ever since I had kids. <laughs> yeah. It was the only way I could watch a film. Interesting. And now I, it's, it's still like that. Yeah. But you, I would never have been able to watch anything That's when true. I had little kids if I didn't watch them in four, half hour, 45 mm-hmm. minute increments and take three or four days to do it. Yeah. There was no way. Yeah. Because when the kids went to bed, it would be 10 o'clock at night. And maybe I'd have a half hour of free time and then they're up at 5.30 or 6 a.m. So that's where the breaking up movies thing came from. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I just, I wonder how that changes your view of a film to not watch it all in one. Well, I mean, if you want to send me into a fit of depression, because (laughs) it's still the only way I can watch movies. Mm -hmm. I never have time to sit down and watch a whole movie unless we decide to watch one together. Yeah, that's true. So we can watch so it together. Yeah. We can. <laughs> but you don't want to watch everything I want to watch. Well, that's not true. <laughs> see, and that's another thing is you assume that I don't want to see things. And then I come home and you've already started it. You're half an hour into it. Yeah, and I'm like. <laughs> the, getting real with Dave and Ashley. This is the night that we change the focus of the podcast. No, I know. I know. I share with you many things that I love, but I also deflect, yeah. deflect, deflect, deflect. <laughs> Before we actually started this podcast, probably back around in those days when we were doing My Man Godfrey, mm. I don't know. There's probably not very many of them, but I know that there are some casualties too of things that I wanted to show you that didn't pan out yeah. that were important to me. Like we never finished La Strada, the Fellini movie. And the one that's breaks my heart is we never finished Contempt by Yeah, Godard. we started and, Contempt. And Contempt have, is fascinating. But I have in my head that it's kind of ruined because like we started it and watched, what, 45 minutes or an hour of it three years ago and then never yeah. watched it again. So I kind of felt like, you know, you weren't interested. And then I felt like, well, now the mood is broken and you can't just watch the second half of Contempt two months later, two years later. So, okay, so that's just one example. Well, I mean, I think that that's... It fell on the rocks of uh, daily life. Just like I'm being oversensitive about about my man Godfrey, which there was no... (laughs) I can raise your oversensitivity. (laughs) But, like... David Ashley's screwball comedy. (laughs) But, like, just because we didn't finish it doesn't mean that... And I'm saying this 
just because Wait, we didn't finish. Are you finish. saying this or are you yeah. just saying this? I, I was fascinated with contempt. Yeah. I don't remember why we stopped it. It seems like we had to we go somewhere. No, we got sleepy. It was in the middle of the afternoon, though, wasn't it? It's that kind of a movie. Okay, okay. It's a good art movie. <laughs> well, I, I remember it. I, I mean, like, the images are very yeah, but we got, struck on my... I, I remember got, the movie posters and, yeah. and the driving around in the convertible. and. Okay, this is yeah, good. You're yeah. getting points. Yes, yeah. see? <laughs> no, I know you didn't ever... <laughs> I have no evidence that you didn't like it other than it fell by the wayside and we never Well, and I it. think similar to La Strada, like either you or I got tired or something like that. And I don't know. <laughs> there's so many good movies that I want you to see, but at, but there's so many that it's like, you're not going to be like, let's watch War and Peace tonight. You know what I mean? We did we watch have, part of War and Peace. We have a limited amount. Of, that's the wrong War and okay, Peace anyway. Okay, different War and Peace. <laughs> um, there's such a limited amount of time to unwind or hang out or watch anything that yeah. most of the time it's not going to be like you know this is the night we watch les enfants du paradis <laughs> <laughs> shall we watch the first two hours tonight and the second two hours? no that's not even like well, a i mean film. i think that that one of the advantages of this podcast is that we are able to well, it's a structured way to watch it and it gives it a, a level of importance that it might not have well, it does. Otherwise, it you know, also gives it the necessary bookend of having to have a conversation yeah, about it afterwards. Exactly. Okay, so we may not be at a little cafe having coffee or something yeah. after seeing a movie out, but we've set up a structure and a, a system where, man, we're gonna have a com- we're gonna we get to talk about the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have to talk about the movie, or we will have just wasted watching one of your favorite movies and then not even gotten a podcast out of it. Yeah. Let alone an alert uh, husband. I feel much more alert now than I did uh, Sunday night. or So I I also enjoy this movie because this is exactly how I tricked you into marrying me. I wait, no, you were my butler. I was your butler. And you know, I went around shrieking and then uh, brought some wood over to your house. And, I thought we were His then... Girl Friday. I thought I was a newspaper man. Okay. And okay. you were my ace reporter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Slash ex-wife? Or maybe the... we were Philadelphia story? Uh, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> Do you have horses? I, 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 don't, I, I did at one okay. point, yeah. So, right. anyway... Um, Screwball comedies are good. See all of them you can. So now I wonder though, this was like, I don't know why I've never seen My Man Godfrey, but are there any other ones that stand out in mind that... So have you seen Easy Living? No. Okay. This is so, what I want to so know. There's... What have you seen that I haven't seen? I have saw a bunch of them. So I've seen Stage Door. Have you seen Stage Door? No. Is that a screwball comedy? Sort of. Or is it just one of those like dinner at eight or well, you know, you Grand know, Hotel? No, it's 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 more it's more screwbally. Okay. I mean, like you've seen, you've got mail, which I mean is not as screwbally, but no, not you. Sorry, not you've got mail. I meant um, shop around the corner. You got mail is the is remake. the remake of shop around yes. the corner. Yeah. Um, sorry, my brain did sponsored a, by did AOL a and Barnes and Noble <laughs> or Borders, I guess. Fox Books. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm trying to think of so the the they're doing a Gene Arthur um, thing and she was in a bunch of great um, so she's going to be an Easy Living which we get to see next I weekend it's Arthur. very exciting um, she is so good in so many things the more you, the merrier you have not seen her Frank Capra movies right 
I haven't seen many Frank Capra movies So at all. you have to see Meet John Doe and Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. Yeah, I haven't seen either of those. I think they're both um, Gary, I haven't even Gary seen... Cooper and Gene Arthur. Okay. And they're so good, especially Meet John Doe. I haven't seen a lot of Gary Cooper in general, speaking. Well, he's not my favorite. Yeah. He's fine at being the sort of wooden mm-hmm. country-fied straight man. I'm trying to... I mean, like, I, I don't know... Because... The plots are often very similar. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. I've not seen that one. Jean Arthur. Yeah. She's the female lead with Jimmy Stewart. All of the, those Capra movies are great. Yeah, I... I've got the box set right over there, I darling. I had Let's a, put it on right now. You know, had a not... Well, this it starts with um, It's a Wonderful Life, which I don't love, you know. Well... Um, you don't have to. Yeah. The, the but that, I just the, didn't really get into Capra, Capra because of that. Well, you know? that's not a screwball comedy. Yeah, I know. I know. Watch <laughs> him do Meet John Doe. Yeah. And you're more in the world of His Girl Friday and stuff. John like that. Doe is that the one about death? No. Meet Joe Black. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, it's. I think there is an element to the plot where he's going to jump off the Empire State Building at a certain time if something doesn't well, happen. Well, that's the fascinating thing about about all some of the screwball comedies is they all have some sort of like suicide or murder or it's all de- post depression. Yeah, yeah. It's like this. In on top of this like weird outlandish comedy that's going on, there's like this level of like darkness and. It's very interesting, and I, I I really dig it. You know, I dig that sort of, you know. We're going to that Gene Arthur Film Festival. Yeah, we are. <laughs> the Automat movie, Easy Living. Easy Living. Is it next yeah. weekend? Uh, yes, next weekend. Huh. wonder if we'll have to bank that for a podcast at some yeah, point. Yeah, I think we might have to. So. Well, we haven't actually talked about the film My Man Godfrey for a while now. <laughs> So uh, I think they got their money's worth. Is yeah. there anything else about the movie that you um, other, uh, other thoughts before we? I mean, I guess I didn't talk about William Powell and how magnetic he is to me. I I really could. He's one of those actors I could watch him in anything. You know, he just does, and he does that thing that he does with like droll. Dry yes. humor that just really tickles me. In did you in see the, this before you saw the Thin Man movies? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. So, um, I which I also love the Thin Man. Thin Man. Um, he's a little, he's a, he's not so. He's a little warmer as the Thin Man. He isn't mm-hmm. so like cold and professional and cut off sort of thing. Um, and like in the Thin Man, he is the relationship is a better pairing. Myrna Loy just. They play so well off of each other. She's like a match for him. They're equals. Yeah. It's, and uh, yeah. It's um, that is something to see. The, the the sparky parts of that movie are are, are some of the best. You, you know, know what? I always completely never know what's going on with the mystery in that yeah. movie. And I'm just there for um, Nick and Nora. Yeah. <laughs> I still can't tell you what the hell's going on with Dorothy Winant and so and so missing and this and that. Yeah. No idea. The weird brother. The yeah. weird brother. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know. And I've even read the book. I read the yeah. Dashiell Hammett book at some point. So it probably doesn't play up the comedy quite as much in the books. I don't know. Anyway. Well, I think in in this day and age with all that's going on in the world, 
that um, we should give the audience a homework assignment of going out, catch a screwball comedy this week. Exactly. Because it's exactly what you need. Mm -hmm. It's what I needed. Yes. I needed it twice this week because I had to rewatch about 45 minutes of My Man Godfrey today. Today. Because we were recording tonight. Yeah. And it was it was even better the yeah. fourth attempt yes. to watch it. Third attempt. <laughs> well, I you were laughing at some of the jokes this time, which I, I know when you were tuned out, you were kind of not. Well, not all there. of my energy was focused on do not fall asleep, keep yeah. your eyes open, do not fall asleep, keep your <laughs> eyes open, like a mantra. And I just couldn't absorb anything. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't engage with it. So I got to go back and do that today. Because I remember the first half hour. I've seen the first half hour totally alert like three different times all the stuff with the the scavenger hunt and and starting him up as the butler i've always seen that i just never know what happens next well i just i wonder if like it gets to the machinations of the plot and so much of the same sort of screwball thing happening all the time like kind of creates a natural point where you lose the attention you know which you know, well, I will say something when the, when I was tired and we were trying to watch it, like you said, it was the the level of the shouty dialogue. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not just Carol Lombard that gave it that sort of blaring sameness. Yeah, that that did kind of turn into. Well, a, I, I kind of wonder, like what I like to think about how people originally encountered this movie, which is like in the 30s, you pay like a nickel to go into the pictures. With, and they're and showing you just, two, two or three films. You like, go in at any time. It's yeah. not like this movie starts at this time. You just go in and like you watch, you know, you'll maybe you go in the middle part of one movie and you watch to the end and then you watch the newsreels in between and then you maybe you watch the first of the next film and then you leave and then maybe you come back and you catch yeah. the first part of the first movie later. So, I mean the films might be paced a little differently because they don't have to have that, like, you know, people aren't watching them. Well, they're watching them like you would watch them. They're, they're watching them piecemeal or, you know, a part at a time or, yeah. you know, so it's, it's a different experience for the movies. Yeah, you have me feeling sad now. about that. Yeah. I really, <laughs> I mean, I, I really have come to a point where I don't, well, just feel, pre- I don't feel like I can watch a film in one sitting unless we go to a movie theater. Yeah. 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 Well, that's that's okay. There's like all those distractions at home. You know, it's that's the point of a movie theater is for you to uh, I mean, just as it was in the 30s is to escape your daily life and it's immersion in a way that you can't really get. Well, I can't. No. Well, you can't because there's cats. Well, and I'm a distracted person. Yeah. (laughs) You married a sleepy, distracted man with cats, with cats (laughs) and children (laughs) and children. How many small animals are there at any, around here at any given time? Well, I mean, and I'll cop to this that I, it was a common problem for me, although much later in the evening for, in my previous relationship to start a movie and yeah. me to fall asleep in the middle of it. So I've seen the half of like a good number of the like, you know, 100 movies that you're supposed to see before you die. <laughs> Probably I've seen the first 15 minutes of uh-huh. those and then slept on the couch okay. for the rest of them. So, I mean, like... Which is your favorite first half of a 1990s movie? Just kidding. Not 1990s. Whatever. <laughs> I really liked um, The Three Kings, the first yeah. 30 minutes. Yeah. All right. I think we've done this. Yes. I think we uh, can now uh, have a, a fade out mm-hmm. as we live the le- rest of our lives together. Yes. In black and white. 
with our ba- with our basket full of wood. With our basket full of wood. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Tell your friends about the show. Subscribe to us on your favorite uh, podcast app. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Uh, help other people find us. Write us an email at shutupwatchthis at gmail.com. And uh, follow us on the social media channels yes. of all sorts and varieties. Instagram. Instagram. And we will catch up with you next time. And it's my turn. I get to choose. I have no idea what it's going to be. But it's going to be long and it's going to be in, uh, I don't know. We're going to watch it in It's going to be parts. Polish. Okay. Maybe we should do uh, Kieslowski. Okay. I've never seen any other than the 10 minutes of uh, Or maybe we'll do something else. Maybe we'll do... That you uh, tried to turn off. You tried to turn off Decalogue while I... Anyway. Well, you walked in when there was five minutes, ten minutes yep. left of uh, one of the Decalogue. Yes. What's the point? <laughs> They're only an hour long anyway. All right. Thank you for Thank listening, you. and we'll catch up with you next time. All right. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>